1: Welcome to Actionable Intelligence, I'm Eric Greitens. It was a big day here in Washington, D.C., and we saw a lot of breaking news.
2: Breaking news from Real America's Voice.
1: So this was just covered right here. Real America's Voice has been covering it. And, of course, JustTheNews.com has got a great story out. There was just a vote in the United States Senate, 56 to 44, to continue the trial of President Trump, continue the trial of President Trump. Well, the mainstream media will tell you that that means one thing. Fortunately, here we've got some expert analysis, and I want to bring in now John Solomon, founder and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com. John, 56 to 44, to continue the trial,
3: it sounds like it means one thing, but really, what does it tell us? Yeah, so day one of the trial was about, is this constitutional? Yes, 44 Republicans voted that this is not a constitutional uh, proceeding. That means they can't get the 67 votes on a conviction. What it really means is today we already know that this Trump trial is going to most likely end in acquittal for the president again. Um, If you don't believe the proceeding is constitutional, you're not going to proceed then and convict a man (laughs) under the circumstances. So before the evidence is even presented, we now know where the cards lie, where this is going to end. The president, former President Trump, will have been acquitted. twice twice. now by the Senate in a year. Yes. So he'll have been acquitted
1: twice. And again, this kind of tells us everything we needed to know. Not that we didn't already suspect that things were heading this direction. But now we know on record 44 Republican senators who said this simply isn't even a constitutional proceeding. So absolutely, they're going to vote to acquit uh, President Trump.
3: Yeah, I think that's where we're headed. Now, the fun part begins tomorrow with evidence. Uh, uh, Democrats will make their emotional appeal that all that violence you saw on January 6th, that's President Trump's fault. And then, all of a sudden, I think you'll see the Trump team come in and say, if you hold President Trump accountable this way, you have to hold these people accountable. They're going to start playing sound bites from everybody from AOC and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, and the tables are going to get turned. And I think American people will start to say, why are we singling out Trump when those guys said the same thing? I think the public court of opinion... Is going to be turned quite a bit by that presentation in the next couple of days yeah and even on the evidence even
1: on the charge of what the house is charging the president with of this charge of yeah. incitement you've got a story out at justthenews.com that more and more evidence is coming out that this was actually pre-planned and you've dug no into doubt. the
3: actual fbi documents please tell our viewers what you what you found um, i've gone through over 100 affidavits yes. and court filings and what you see in that is that there are numerous instances where the FBI now alleges that the activities that ultimately led to the riot began back in November of 2020, uh, with fundraising, requests for equipment, communications training, meetings were training, and and commanders were identified. All the Even the, um, the diversionary explosives that were left outside mm. the Republican National Committee, Democrat, Democratic National Committee, they were planted the night before. All that activity occurred before President Trump ever uttered a word of his speech. What does that mean? You can't incite something that was already planned. Yes. And I think when that evidence is presented by the, President Trump's lawyers, there'll be no response from the Democrats. They'll just try to go back to those images and try to use a motion to try to sway the jury. But uh, that's a really significant factual problem here. Beyond the constitutional issues debated today, you can't accuse someone of inciting something if it was already planned and underway. And I think that's what we're going to learn. And keep in mind, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the uh, assault on the Capitol began yes. 20 minutes before President Trump even stops uh, speaking yes so I, I don't know how the House impeachment managers get around that evidence, uh, the American people certainly are going to absorb it.
1: Yeah, look, the American people are much smarter than a lot of times politicians and the media give them credit for. And when when
3: And when you lay out the
1: facts, this started before President Trump even started speaking. Yeah. And because of your reporting and what we now know from the Just the News team, there's actual evidence that the FBI, from their own investigations of this over the course of months, was identifying people who were engaged in fundraising, in comms planning, identifying leaders for this, and they were doing it weeks ahead of time, which of course makes it nonsensical that you'd say that you incited something that was already planned.
3: And one of the amazing things is all of this planning is out in the open. It's on yes. Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on Parlor, It's on GoFundMe and other fundraising sites. We just heard Chris Ray last September, the FBI director go out and say, we're on this extremism thing. We're watching everybody closely. Apparently they didn't watch very closely because right? all this planning occurred out in public service. You didn't need wiretaps to find this information. And I think, you know, you look at some of the things, there's one communication where they're talking about 30 and 40 people are working together. Yes. Uh, Virginia meeting North Carolina, North Carolina meeting Michigan. This was highly coordinated for a long period of time. One question that will come out of this trial Where was the FBI? Why didn't it preempt this when all this evidence was sitting out in the public open?
1: Yeah, it's certainly going to be, I think, a lot of big questions for the FBI as an institution. When you look at the role they played in the Russia collusion hoax, given your reporting about the origins of the Christopher Steele dossier, about all all of those things, the same FBI now, apparently missing a lot of these big cues about what was going to happen at the Capitol. But it sounds like there may also be another FBI connection here. Yeah. You have in your uh, in your article, as you do with all of the articles, you have a dig-in section where you actually allow your readers to see the work that you do, and you've got in there an indictment, a charge against one Thomas Caldwell. Tell us about
3: Thomas Caldwell. So he's one of the 12 people that charged with conspiracy. What does that mean? They were planners. They were conspiring long before the day of the event. He's a Virginia man, Northern Virginia. His lawyer made a filing in court late last night. We have not been able to get the FBI to confirm this, but in this uh, filing, the lawyer says, my client worked for the Navy for a long time. He had a a top secret clearance for many, many years. And from 09 uh, to 2010, He worked for the FBI at the level of section chief. That's very senior. That's like the equivalent of a special agent in charge of an office and headquarters. Very senior job. The idea that an FBI man was somehow involved in this, if that turns out to be true going to turn the scrutiny even more into what the bureau was up to and why it might have looked the other way or missed some of this information. Yeah, and this, so this is a huge potential development. We need to verify this. That's right.
1: But one of the individuals charged with conspiracy, charged with, again, our viewers know this, for working with others to plan this was his lawyer claimed someone who worked at a senior level in the FBI
3: less than a decade ago. Exactly. It's a real shocker. And uh, again, he said this under penalty perjury, so the lawyer could be yes. held accountable if it's not true. We're trying to dig in and find out about it. There was another moment today I think that also resonates with yes. this, this line of reasoning that's now becoming apparent to the American public. And that is the president's lawyer said, all the people that have been charged with uh, uh, doing something terrible at the Capitol that day, rioting, assaulting police, not a single one one of them has been charged with conspiring the president. Why is that? Because no one can prove the president encouraged him to do that. I thought that little moment where, hey, federal prosecutors have had a month to suggest the president was involved in this and did not, that was a very dramatic moment that, you know, common sense, jury goes, yeah, that's a good question. Why Mm -hmm. hasn't the president come up with these documents? The answer is it was all pre-planned well before the president's speech.
1: Yeah, so there's there's no evidence of that. And then again, you've got the story out about the evidence that is emerging of the pre-planning, Thomas Caldwell, one of the individuals charged with conspiracy, and according to his lawyer, a Navy veteran, top secret security clearance, and we should, let's break down for our viewers, a section chief for the FBI, equivalent of what we'd call a SAC, a special agent in yeah, charge, which would be, you know, if, if there's an FBI field office or a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms field office in Chicago, the SAC would be the person in charge of that entire office. It's a fairly senior position in the FBI, at least that. That's what the lawyer is claiming.
3: Yeah, and it's a rare moment when someone just jumps from the Navy or any uh, civilian or other sector to a SAC job or to a um, section uh, chief. Chief So, you know, you have to work your way up, agent all the way up. So there's something unique about his entrance into the bureau. doesn't mean anything. You know, he, he was a disabled veteran, so he may have gotten some preferential hiring. But whatever the case is, it's a very rare moment for someone to come in and then a few years later be identified as one of the perpetrators. And the FBI not tell the court about it when they indict the person. Yeah, and John,
1: just in the last kind of minute or so that we have left, another big story you've got out, it's one of our trending stories at JustTheNews.com about the Biden administration's agenda
3: kind of crashing into reality. What are, what, yeah. what, what are the, the big nuggets Let's there? remind people what Joe yes. Biden ran on. He was yes. blue-collar Joe. I'm going to be right. for the middle class. I'm going to get you jobs. I'm going to fix the economy. I'm going to, take, going to get a quick bipartisan coronavirus. Yes. Well, none of that's happened. What are we learning about? Well, right now, the AFL-CIO, who represents the largest yes. block of union Workers in America, they're angry at Biden because he canceled the TransCanada Keystone Pipeline and it cost 11,000 union jobs. Yesterday we found out from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, the uh, plan to raise the minimum wage is going to cost 1.4 million jobs. It's going to handicap small businesses already hurt by coronavirus. Joe Biden's agenda is now hitting the real Americans and reality is setting in that what they heard sounded great, but what's actually happening? feels a lot different. Yeah, and he's running into a lot of these
1: roadblocks and, and we should remind our viewers AFL CIO, one of the largest, you know, conglomerations of unions in the oh, country. Yeah in the country. Spent millions
3: trying to get him they elected. spent
1: millions to get him elected. The Pipefitters Union endorsed yeah. Joe Biden, and then what happens? Kills the Keystone Pipeline. Even his own Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, is saying that his COVID plans may increase inflation. inflation? Yeah, yeah, well, those All of those stories and others are available at JustTheNews.com, so I encourage you to get out there, read them, read them during the show, and send them to your friends as well. We're going to be right back with more from Ben Bergquam, who's been on on the ground, finding out what's happening about the impeachment on the front lines. We'll be back in a second.
0: Welding instructor, Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
1: Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. And as you know, we work here to bring you the stories and the perspectives that the mainstream media so often fail to cover. And one of the things that we have going today is that Real America's Voices' own Ben Bergquam has been down on the streets, on the ground, on the front lines, during the impeachment. Ben, thank you for being out there. We know that it's cold at the moment. You've been out there, a trooper, you know, all day. Tell us, what are you seeing? What's happening on the ground?
5: Thanks, Eric. Well, you know, first off, I just got a text from my dad. He was sending it to everyone to say, to watch Real America's Voice News, because I was going to be on. So shout out to my dad, Paul Berkwam. I love you dad. Uh, and all of our family in the communist state of California and all of the patriots across America uh, that still believe in freedom and liberty. Uh, I'm out in front of the Capitol right now. I actually, you can't see it right now in the dark very well, but behind me is that razor wire and and fencing. I like to call it a wall that the Democrats have erected to protect themselves, the elite, from the American people. Uh, I walked it today and it took about an hour to get around the whole facility. And what's interesting is when I was talking to some folks uh, down here, the reason why so many said that they weren't going to come out, Trump supporters that would have otherwise been out here to protest against this, what they're calling a sham impeachment, is because of the fear uh, placed in them by the media uh, and by what's happening behind us, this this militarization of the Capitol. All three branches of our federal government are on lockdown. They're all uh, cordoned off, they're walled off from we the people. While we can't have walls on our southern border, uh, they're just fine up here. So that's happening. It is it is eerily quiet on the streets here in Washington DC talking to some of the locals they you know really it just feels like they're sick of it they're tired of the lockdowns they're tired of the you know this this continuation of drama most people that i've talked to whether they're republicans or democrats see through what's happening they see it as as totally political and the democrats are doing this for political reasons uh and you know it's 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 just that continued game back and forth and so it's really really a disappointing thing to experience, uh, you know, in this country that is supposed to be the beacon of freedom and light and, and, uh, and hope for the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, and Ben, so many people have referred to this as the sham impeachment, the snap impeachment, the drive-by impeachment. I mean, all of our viewers will remember that Speaker Pelosi and her leadership crew went in and forced this impeachment of a president of the United States without evidence. On the segment just before when we were talking with John Solomon, that Just the News has reported extensively now that there's a growing mountain of Evidence that not only did the assault on the Capitol start before President Trump even began speaking, but that it was in fact planned for weeks ahead of time; that it was planned out in the That's open, right. and it sounds like the FBI and other organizations might have missed uh, some of their some of their cues there. If you could, Ben, for our viewers who, you know, might not have been to to Washington, D.C. before, um, if you might explain for them what this is actually like. You mentioned, you know, they've built this wall around the Capitol. It is a wall of fencing. It is a wall of barbed wire, wall of razor wire at certain points. And that is all around the actual, the people's Capitol building and around Capitol Hill. But if you could give them a sense for what that's like around the Capitol, around the Supreme Court around the White House?
5: Well, I'll be uh, sharing a video and I got some great interviews from today. uh, just in regards to that real quick, though, to your point and John Solomon's point, just think about this. Even before the day had ended, Democrats were talking about on January 6th, talking about impeaching President Trump before we had had the evidence Now we hadn't gotten to see the evidence of the election fraud, which is what we were there to see and what what was being discussed in the chambers behind me. But even, uh, we hadn't gotten to see that evidence. We hadn't gotten to see any of the evidence of who was actually behind the the storming of the Capitol. And yet they already had uh, claims and and charges of impeachment. In fact, the next day, they already had the language of the impeachment against President Trump. That would be like uh, officers, police officers making an arrest in a in a in a crime before they even had the evidence brought in and they just said that guy did it because well that's the guy we want to we want to pin it on and that's basically what happened here president trump was blamed for this like you said before uh, he, they they started going in before he even started speaking it's just insane but as far as the lockdown and this is another part you know it's there's nothing happening here so whatever this perceived threat is that that the that they have there are hundreds of national guards troops from all over the country we have several in our hotel that we're staying with and they don't want to be out here we're talking yeah. to a lot of them they think it's a, a utter complete waste of their time but it is blocks and blocks and blocks of 10 foot high fencing in some areas with razor wire uh you've got national guards troops placed uh, spaced about 20 feet apart all the way around and it goes from the the capitol mall where you can see the capitol all the way around past the police station and I, again i walked it i'm going to be uh, uh, uploading a, a timeline video it took me over an hour to walk it just to kind of give you a sense of how big this is around the police station around the supreme court uh, around several different halls of justice around all of the uh, senate and house office buildings uh, and even around hhs and a couple other auxiliary uh, federal buildings i mean it is a massive security perimeter uh, at, for what I mean, there's there's nobody here that it's just it seems as as people are going broke, as businesses are going broke, as the lockdown continues to destroy people's lives across America and the Democrats are talking about creating jobs, all they're doing is spending more tax dollars on a, a threat that I don't see.
1: Yeah, and and Ben, you and I have talked before, you're a huge supporter of the U.S. military, huge supporter of the veterans. We all recognize the National Guard troops are there because they were ordered to be there. And, And you've talked with many of them, I have as well. Not only are they not being briefed on any threats, To this day, we haven't had any reports from the Capitol Police, from the FBI, from any other law enforcement organizations saying that there is any actionable intelligence about a real threat to uh, to to the Capitol, and yet. The walls remain, and yet the barbed wire remains, and yet the razor wire remains, and yet the hundreds of troops remain in the Capitol, and as you said, the wall has been erected to separate the people of the United States of America from their representatives, from their capital, it is our capital as citizens, and yet they haven't explained exactly why. They are they are doing so. Ben, one thing we're hearing from a lot of our viewers, some of whom you know don't even consider themselves to be conservatives or Republicans, they're just saying that this act by Speaker Pelosi, this snap impeachment, this drive-by impeachment without evidence, they're saying that it's really negative because it's actually, you know, an assault on the institution of the presidency, that it degrades the Congress, that this is actually bad for the country, that it's bad for history. What are you hearing from the folks who are on the ground?
5: Yeah, you know, even uh, people on on the left are starting to realize that if if this is the precedence that is being set, basically, we don't like the president, we're going to impeach him. Uh, And even now it's, we don't like the former president, we're going to impeach him after the fact. Well, does that mean we can go retroactively back? Uh, Can we go back and impeach Obama for, uh, you know, for crimes that were committed during his administration? It's, it's, it is a terrible precedence to be set uh, for the American people. And, and it is. It's, these, these are the same people, by the way, who said there was no threat when Antifa and BLM were burning down cities when they attacked the White House less than a year ago, said that we needed to tear down the walls on our southern border, but now they're just fine erecting these walls to protect themselves. It is the height of hypocrisy and elitism that we're seeing here in Washington, D.C., and an utter utter waste of time and taxpayer resources.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing that we're hearing, you know, certainly from from a lot of our, our viewers is also people are saying, How come they did an impeachment and they didn't hear any evidence? They just feel like this. look, this is a president who's been treated unfairly by the mainstream media since before he was even president of the United States. And our viewers watched for years as the Russia collusion hoax went on and on and on. Speaker Pelosi saying that the election was hijacked by the Russians. You had this constant coverage on MSNBC, on CNN. CNN, them saying constantly that there is a connection between the Russians and the president. And of course, the president was completely exonerated of all of that. So people got used to the mainstream media in these attacks. They got used to even when they saw the first impeachment, they saw this, this assault against the president of the United States, but I think something fundamental has also happened here with this second impeachment, where it was so clearly partisan and they didn't even pretend that they wanted to hear any evidence because they did it without evidence. A lot of people who I'm talking to are saying that, in fact, the president is actually going to emerge stronger from this because it's so clear that this was a leftist agenda item and wasn't something That was based on evidence what are you hearing in the last 30 seconds or so that we have been from folks on the ground
5: well this is what i'm hearing and it'll be really interesting to see if this transpires uh you know they they could have left this alone they could have walked away from it they could have let the you know the fraud uh fall to the wayside and, and go away but what i'm hearing from people trump supporters is they really hope that president trump and the attorneys use this opportunity to lay out the voter fraud allegations and and present that to the American people. Uh, and and this could end up backfiring on the Democrats, it really, again, like you said, showing President Trump had nothing to do with what happened on January 6th. And it, in fact, there is more evidence to suggest that the Democrats were the ones that caused that by their four years of failed coup attempts against President Trump, as you referenced, uh, and what we saw in the election. So. You know, we'll be pretty today was pretty boring, but the next couple days could be pretty exciting. So we're going to continue to follow
1: it and see and see if
5: anyone else shows up.
1: We appreciate you at least being out there on the front line so that (laughs) our viewers around the country can see what is actually happening in their capital. Folks, we've got John Solomon bringing you the facts. We've got Ben Bergquam and the Real America's voice team on the ground so you can see what's really happening. Stay right with us at Actionable Intelligence. We'll be back in a minute. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We started tonight's show with the breaking news that there was a 56 to 44 vote in the Senate today to continue the President Trump impeachment trial. And we sat down with John Solomon to break down exactly what that meant. and as we discussed, it means that 44 Republican senators have voted to say that the entire proceeding is unconstitutional. It's big news, but to break it down further, I wanna bring in Nick Balasey, just the news reporter who's been covering the impeachment all day. Let's start, Nick, with this vote. If you could give our viewers a few more details about the vote itself and who the Republicans were who voted with the Democrats.
2: So the summary is we saw the president's defense saying that the whole trial is not constitutional because he's out of office. And then you saw the House impeachment managers, the Democrats, making the case that it is constitutional and it should go forward. So when it comes to the final vote that happened today after the arguments were presented, we saw the 56 to 44 vote for it to continue. But the reason why that is important to note is because yes the trial is going to continue but the fact that 44 republicans voted that it was not constitutional to have this trial altogether kind of shows where things are probably heading because they need 17 republicans the democrats do to cross over and side with them for a conviction so if we go by this first vote as a test it's going to be really hard for the Democrats to be able to get 17. Now, we have a story up at Just the News right now that goes through some of the key Republicans that could swing. We have the whole list there. You can go on the website and check it out. Some of those have already sided with the Democrats in that 56 to 44 vote, namely Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski, and we saw a few other Republicans, six in total, join the Democrats. Uh, Bill Cassidy was kind of a surprise to some Republican from Louisiana, but I had him on my list earlier as someone who might actually cross over and vote for a conviction. So, I mean, unless there's some sort of groundbreaking evidence that the Democrats are able to present, I know Schumer talked about how there's some some evidence that we would consider as new that they may have in their back pocket. We'll see. If they can prevent, present some sort of groundbreaking evidence, maybe they'll be able to get some more Republicans on their side. But absent that groundbreaking evidence, I think we're heading toward another uh, not guilty uh, result like we saw in the first impeachment trial of Trump.
1: Yeah, and Nick, let's also we'll, we'll remind our viewers, most of whom you know recognize this, right now the Senate is split 50-50. In order to convict, it takes two-thirds. You'd have to have 67 senators. So you'd have to have, assuming every Democrat voted to impeach President Trump, you'd have to have 17 Republicans do so. And today, there were only six Republicans who even voted to say that the process was even constitutional. You've got 44 of them saying that the entire process here, the entire trial, is not constitutional because President Trump is now former President Trump and is not in office at the moment. Nick, walk our viewers through. So that's what happened today. What's happening tomorrow?
2: We're going to hear more uh, evidence presented from the Democrat side, the House impeachment managers, and then the rebuttal from the defense. They're going to present uh, their evidence of why it's, it's wrong to, uh, to convict Trump. So that's going to kick off at noon. And so there'll be a full day of arguments. And so we're going to see exactly uh, what the case is laid out, specifically from Trump's defense. Uh, in total, they have 16 hours to present through the course of the trial. So we're going to see a lot of that tomorrow. We're going to be monitoring it closely at, at Just the News and and reporting on all the updates.
1: Great. Well, Nick, we very much appreciate you and the entire team uh, reporting on this and giving everybody all of those updates. And we'll, we will remind everybody that you and the team are filing this stuff fast. The minute that it happens, you've got stories up. So, folks, if you want to find out what's happening on a minute by minute basis, stay with justthenews.com. On this now, you know, as we're talking about what's happening in Washington D.C., some people are saying that this is almost like a, a political Super Bowl because you've got everybody coming together and and looking at what's happening in this second snap impeachment of President Trump. But we actually had at Just the News a guest who had been a Super Bowl champion himself, and I want to break down with Joe Weber, who's on set, Just the News editor we've got a story up about what burgess owens said we actually played a little bit of his his interview uh... last night for our viewers he's made some comments about roger goodell that have really taken off
4: yeah uh, just briefly a little bit of backstory this came off an interview with gary sheffield on um... just the news a.m and uh... burgess owens as you well know is a professional retired nfl football player He won a national super bowl there with the los angeles raiders and uh... He said at one point, he said, I'm going to boycott the Super Bowl until it becomes less political under Roger Goodell, and it's not going to end until Roger Goodell gets fired, and I'm not going to come back and pay attention to NFL football until it does. He said he didn't even watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, and one of the things that he says, I mean, um, he talks about the politicization. Everybody knows about um, what he generally was st- talking about. And one of the things that really, in fact, surprised me watching the NFL playoffs is that the teams still are allowed to stay in the uh, locker rooms until the NFL, uh, during the National Anthem. I was surprised to see Buffalo uh, not come out until the National Anthem was uh, already played. So that's surprising. I think that um, he really feels like his larger argument was that, you know, uh, sports in America, baseball, football, basketball, um, they're unifiers. You know, they bring people together. It used
1: to be something you could get together <laughs> with everybody, whether they were liberals, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, and people could argue about their hometown and their home teams and bring people together. It has yeah. been politicized. Yeah. The NBA, the NFL, yeah. we've seen a lot of this yeah. politicization. When you take yeah.
4: it even down to, if I yeah. may, just like even yeah. to the high school level, you know, there's Friday night football games. They're a unifier. That, you know, yes. that brings the communities together. Yes. And, you know, the, um, sometimes in towns with economy struggling baltimore the ravens that's all those fans have to hold on to Mm -hmm. it sometimes is the you know is their football teams that's a great amount of pride and the competition and um I'm disappointed to uh, see that somebody who is uh, such a great football player disenfranchised with something that uh, was so good to him for yeah, so long. Yeah, he
1: obviously loved the sport and still loves yeah. the sport. looks like he can play, so, as they say, so too, straight. right? He can <laughs> play, but the shoes. politicization <laughs> of it is really driving it. It's driving a lot of viewers away. It's costing a lot of ad revenue. Joe, there's another story up at JustTheNews.com. Our, our viewers have been following everything that's happening with the coronavirus really carefully. What's the latest there? Yeah,
4: this is one of the... Um, Biggest stories of the day, um, with the exception of the impeachment trial, and that's that the World Health Organization researchers have concluded their roughly two-week investigation uh, to try to find out what, how the coronavirus really started in China. Now, I guess you could call it a victory that they even got in there, uh, but what they concluded is that the Wuhan viral lab was not where it started, and that it likely, unlikely that that happened, and it more likely was a human or animal to human jump. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think that. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be convinced that this is really uh, how it how it really went down as a result of a lot of things that has happened. Uh, One of them, China, um, there was a lot of a lack of transparency early in the virus in January 20, uh, early early December January 2019 when it first came out, and um, then they felt as if the World Health Organization had sort of covered for them. Um, So there's still a lot of dubiousness there, wonder what really went on, and I think that uh, we're going to continue to try to find out. The, even the Biden administration today has asked for some transparent, more transparency as a result of this.
1: Yeah, because it sounds like they've come out and they've said this. is obviously the World Health Organization saying this, which our viewers will remember. President Trump withdrew from. Yeah. President Biden said that America is going to rejoin. Yeah. A lot of people were concerned about
4: Chinese influence in the World Health Organization. Well, that's just it. Yeah, yeah they felt like the World Health Organization was covering for them. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, until they could finally figure out, you know, what their uh, reason for the, um, the virus outbreak and why they didn't react fast enough and let the rest of the world know. I think that's primarily what, you know, the world's largest concern about. Uh, the transparency issues yes. there,
1: and we have a story up right now that a poll was just conducted by just the news yeah. about what Americans are thinking based on their assessment. What, what do we? What do we? Yeah, know so there? it's yeah. not
4: um, Joe Weberstein speculating. Is mean, yeah. people they've, they've been polled by Scott Rasmussen, who's a noted yes. pollster and respected one, and fifty almost fifty percent of the young people have said that they don't you know they don't believe that that's true. They're mm-hmm. still so dubious of what, um, you know, the um, China said originally and what they did originally. So um, I don't think that this is really going to go away anytime soon. Uh, the virus, um, you know, two million people. Um, this is a bit, very big deal and people really want to get to the bottom of that concerns about whether, you know, had we enacted sooner, had more knowledge earlier, we may have, you know, been able to bottle this up. At least China could have. Awesome. Yeah. And then let me let me come back to
1: Nick. Nick, we've just got, got we've just got just a minute actually it sounds like we might have lost nick i'm going to come back to joe for the for this final question right as we're looking at what's happening over the course of this week obviously all of the attention is back on president trump and off of the biden administration what are we hearing from folks inside the biden administration about what they're trying to do or what they might be doing this week
4: Uh, With regard to this, I can tell you with regard to the trial, it's to do nothing. It's Mm -hmm. to say nothing. That's their strategy. They keep on um, uh, Saki and the White House press secretary continuously parries with each question that she's asked about they even that said
1: he might not even be watching any yeah, of it. Yeah, I know. Right. right, right? I don't, know. Yes, I don't yes.
4: think that he's going to he yeah. might take a look there. Right. Yeah. But they don't want to get involved. They want to try to let this thing play out. And as everybody well knows, uh, it's their advantage to get this thing over with, because I think that, uh, you know, I'm not in, have his ear and he doesn't have mine. But I do know that he would like to get his agenda going forward as any new president would yes. and get this behind him so he can get ahead of this virus and yes. get the economy back together.
1: And on that, I will mention that that story that we talked about with John Solomon is at justthenews.com, and it lays out how the Biden agenda has really kind of crashed into reality. We'll see if they can get it restarted. Well, stay with us. We're going to be talking with Pastor Daryl Scott about the Biden agenda and Trump impeachment right after this welcome back to actionable intelligence i'm eric reitens and as you know from watching real america's voice we've got an outstanding set of shows throughout the day you've got just the news a.m with carrie sheffield and of course you've also got the water cooler with david brody not to mention tudor dixon and steve gruber in in the afternoon along with miranda khan and newson and as you know Dr. Gina Primetime, which always follows right after this. It's a great series of shows, and we always want to bring you some of the best interviews of the day, in case you missed them earlier. Today, David Brody on the water cooler sat down with Joel Rosenberg, who's the editor-in-chief of All Israel News. Have a listen.
6: Yeah, We're obviously impeachment-heavy today, and I'm personally pretty heavy, but that's a separate dietary issue. I want to deal with Israel Israel and Iran and the relationship between the two now that uh, Donald Trump is no longer in office and we have a new president, President Joe Biden. And who better to discuss all of that with than uh, my good friend, Joel Rosenberg. He's editor in chief of All Israel News and author of the novel, The Beirut Protocol. I mean, Joel churns out the books like you wouldn't believe. They are great reads. Joel, great to see you there from Israel.
7: Great to be with you from Jerusalem. Happy to, happy to chat with you. We need to get you back once our airports open and COVID is no more.
6: I'm ready, I'm ready to go and save some falafel for me. Do me a favor. Uh, Luke. All right. Uh, what, what, let's start with a 30,000-foot view. Uh, Biden's in, Trump is out. What's the, the take on the streets of Israel, if you will, as to what that means for Israel?
7: Donald Trump was enormously popular here in Israel because he didn't just say nice things about Israel. Most presidents do, President Obama accepted. He was a train wreck with, uh, with the Israeli people. At one point, he was, Obama was down to 4% approval ratings. Wow. But Donald Trump became enormously popular because it wasn't just rhetoric. He actually did a whole series of very, very positive moves here. And so uh, now the way he left office, uh, not to get into your last uh, few segments, but uh, l- l- shocked people here. But but Israelis don't have strong opinions one way or the other in terms of impeachment or not impeachment The question is, there's concern. Biden is widely considered not Obama. They People here aren't scared that he's going to be a train wreck in terms of chemistry or his love for Israel. But his judgment, it's going to be about judgment. And, and, and it's going to be about, does he— Get into a deal with Iran that's as bad or worse uh, than his predecessor, his, his president before Obama, or has he and his team learned some lessons and they're going to be much savvier? I don't know. I am skeptical, but I'm trying not to be cynical.
6: Well, I want to pick up on that because he had that interview with Nora O'Donnell from 60 Minutes or CBS, excuse me, where he said that he's not going to lift sanctions uh, until Iran gets their act together from a, a nuclear enrichment standpoint. So therefore, w- what are we supposed to make of that? It seems like he's I mean, I have no idea what he wants to do. It sounds to me, Joel, personally, like Biden wants to do some sort of 2.0 Iran
7: nuclear deal is what he wants to do. He does want to do that. And, that. and he said through the campaign that he would do a 2.0 nuclear deal, meaning—and uh, I've talked to a number of his uh, close, current and former advisors uh, for All Israel News, our new site, um, because I'm trying to get into the mind of people who know him and are going to be able to help me understand where he's going. Um, look, I think Biden does not want to deal with Iran. He's got COVID to deal with. He's got the economy to deal with. He's got a lot of domestic issues to deal with. Iran is not an issue he wants to deal with. But Iran is forcing themselves on the agenda. They're enriching uranium above or at the 20% line, which is, according to some experts, the very red line that Prime Minister Netanyahu in 2012 told the UN, if you go there— it's gonna trigger Israeli airstrikes. That's a big deal. Now, I'm being told by senior Israeli defense officials, no, they don't think Iran is quite at that red line, but they're getting close. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of concern that that what if, you know, you just said that uh, Biden, you know, gave a good um, message to, to Nora O'Donnell, that's true. Meaning he said, I'm not gonna remove sanctions on Iran until mm-hmm. Iran stops enriching high-enriched uranium. That's good if he means it. Yeah. The problem is President Obama gave us a whole list of things that he would never let Iran do, and then signed a deal that allowed them to do almost all of them. Mm-hmm.
6: Joel, what's the view inside the Knesset? What about Netanyahu and his relationship with Biden? What kind of political atmosphere is there as it
7: relates to this new administration? Well, David, that's a great question, because historically... Prime Minister Netanyahu and now President Biden have had a great relationship. They disagree on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but they've had a warm personal relationship. But as you and I tape this interview, President Biden has not called the prime minister of Israel like weeks are going by. That has never happened. I can't think of a single example. What do you think of that? In modern era in which an American president wouldn't call the leader of his most important Middle Eastern ally. What are we supposed to make of that, uh, Joel? Uh, he's busy. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that it's a signal. Uh, I think it's a signal. It's certainly being read here as a signal that, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, you think you're so special, we'll get to you uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. But I think the other issue is, I don't think Biden and his team have a an answer for the question that Netanyahu is going to ask, which is what are you going to do with Iran? And won't you let us, Israel, and our Arab allies in the region be part of the conversation in helping you craft that strategy? I don't think Biden has an answer to that yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a problem because Iran is forcing itself onto the agenda.
6: Yeah, and Joel, uh, we've got about a minute or so left, but it th- th- does seem, as we move into this new Middle East, and I call it a b- bit of a newly mo- a- aligned Middle East with what Donald Trump has done with so many of these different Middle East peace accords and the Abraham Accords, so what, wh- how does that factor into all of this? That that sounds like three-dimensional chess to a degree.
7: It is, but, but Biden should be taking advantage of it. Right. Biden has spoken very positively of these Arab-Israeli peace deals, the Abraham Accords, but he's not—but but, but every single leader of the Arab world that is, wants peace with Israel is telling Biden the same thing that Netanyahu is. Come and talk to us. Let us be part of this. We're terrified of Iran getting the bomb. Don't ice us out the way President Obama did that led to this horrific deal that we have. 30, 30 seconds
6: or so. Uh, what's your sense of how this might play out? And not that you're going to be a, a fortune teller here in four years, but uh, where are you on the meter of this goes well, this doesn't go well, or status quo?
7: Well, I'm not insane, so I'm not going to play the Russian roulette. You, <laughs> we just don't know. Look, I, I will say as an evangelical, I'm praying for this new president. Yep. I'm going to be against him on on he's he's pro-abortion, he's he's pro-transgender, he's you know got a big. I'm against all of that but I need him to be good on something. Yep. Israel and the Middle East, Iran, would be a good area to try to do something bipartisan. Yeah. Let's pray for him.
6: All right, Joel,
7: I really appreciate
6: you. I'm such a straight shooter.
7: Well, that was David Brody earlier on The Water Cooler
1: talking with Joel Rosenberg, who joined him straight from Jerusalem, giving that frontline perspective on what Israelis are thinking about this new incoming. Biden administration, and I'm joined again by Joe Weber, news editor here at JustTheNews.com. Part of the big news that, again, the mainstream media isn't covering is that the Biden administration hasn't even called Benjamin Netanyahu. This is an incredibly close relationship. It always has been between presidents of the United States of both parties and the prime minister of Israel. It's always been a close relationship. President Trump made, as you know, uh, Joel alluded to, historic moves, moving the embassy to Jerusalem, these Abraham Peace Accords. Biden's coming in. He might have a different vision of the Middle East, but it's clear that the President Trump put his stamp on the Middle East. What do we make of the fact, or what do we know about why the Biden administration hasn't even called Netanyahu?
4: Well, I think there's two things. I think one, you actually hit one of the points right there, is that um, Trump, President Trump, former President Trump, put his stamp. I don't want to be cliche, but it's a tough act to follow there. He has done so well over there. And knowing um, President Biden, knowing that the problems that netanyahu israel had with the obama administration this is a difficult situation for him yes i imagine he won. um he knows that it's going to be difficult for him to reestablish ties and um he's trying to probably figure out how he's going to do that yeah. um, because it's not going to be um very easy for him and he's got a whole bunch of other things on his plate and he's probably there's probably a little a lot of you know THINKING, A LITTLE BIT OF HEAD SCRATCHING ABOUT HOW THEY'RE GOING TO, YOU KNOW, REUNITE THIS. IT'S A CLICHE. IT'S BEEN SAID A MILLION TIMES BEFORE, BUT, YOU KNOW, ISRAEL IS THE UNITED STATES' BIGGEST ally IN THAT REGION. THAT'S AN yes. ANCHOR THERE uh, FOR DEMOCRACY, AN ABILITY FOR THE UNITED STATES TO HAVE A SORT OF A FOOTHOLD IN, in POLICY THERE, AND BOTH COUNTRIES HAVE A GOOD ECONOMIC RELATIONSHIP. Um, there's so many people from the United States have roots in Israel. I think yes. people don't realize that. I mean, I remember even when I went to college, I was surprised at how just worldly um, my mm-hmm. Jewish friends and the whom I met there because they just had such a deep understanding of world politics and the relationship between the United States and Israel and what it meant. And that was their homeland. So there's a lot of people in this country uh, look at that relationship uh, just beyond economics. Um, it's heartland for them. And so it's important. It's always been important. Yeah. And it certainly is.
1: It's a wider relationship. There's a cultural element. There's a major economic element. Israel is the world's leader in a number of important technology, technology fields, yeah. including cybersecurity, including a number of agricultural technologies. So it's always been a close relationship. It's obviously been extraordinarily important politically. And as we just talked about, President Trump really moved that ball down the field. I believe a lot of people believe more than any other president in, in a generation. Well, Joe, I know that you and the team, at Just the News are going to continue to follow this story. Uh, We we, we appreciate you. That's an important one. It's been a big day. We'll stay right here because Dr. Gina Primetime is coming up with more. She'll be here in just a minute.